Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yep. We are live. How are you folks doing? <clears throat> Welcome uh, to the beginning of September. Um, or like the official beginning of September. The beginning of hockey season. Summer's over. Thank God. It's not over. It's 87 degrees out. Like, I know. It's beautiful out today. I know. There's okay. a funny thing happened. So I was, we were closing down our short place, which is the, my wife and I have very different opinions on this because like, I always think that, you know, like you said, it's, it's 80, it's 80 degrees. It could be beautiful. These next couple weekends could be phenomenal. Oh, yeah. And, um, but she's of the mindset that, you know, when the kids go back to school, that's like the beginning of that. And you have to switch your head and that's what you do. And I kind of, I understand that. I think with a family, you have to do that. But yeah. I'll tell you what, when nobody's at the beach, like now I go in September when it's really hot, like, just on a random day because no one will be there. Well, you're absolutely right. And it was funny because the um, yesterday when I was when I was going around, you know, cleaning stuff up and um, trying to find a place to throw out an old sofa, um, walking down the beach there was pretty funny. Um, and uh, it was amazing how many old people, you know, older people, you know, that they were I – was, I was running into were saying that they were coming in at the next two weeks or the weeks that they choose because all the kids are away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I personally like to have life around, you know. I kind of like – I like when kids are running around on the beach. I think it's more, a lot more interesting than, than that. But you know, there's a lot of people. You're right. My, I mean, Russ. You know, we are at the age now where it's not even so much. I don't care if there's kids there or any other human. Yeah. But when the parking's a pain and it's just too yeah, crowded, that's, that's crowded. all I'm talking about. Way that's crowded and um. Yeah, yeah. that's. That's that's like that's like going to the mall on Labor Day weekend. Right. It's like the absolute worst friggin' and uh, you know worst friggin' time to go. And I, of course, stupidly, I was in Niagara Falls yesterday, and I said, "Okay, the outlet mall's here. It's an opportunity. You know, there's sales. Let me go." And it's like took me 45 minutes to find a friggin' parking spot. It's just, it's, it's, it's yeah. so annoying. So I can just imagine, like, when it's 85 degrees out and it's summer, and you want to get to the beach, and you have to park a mile and a half away, and you have to walk. I mean, what were you trying to buy that far in advance, Mike? Like rock salt and shovels? No, Cl- clothes. It's a factory outlet. Oh, I see. Clothes. Yeah, it's it's very very funny. You're very true. Um, now, let me let's let, let's just touch on the on the some the music because we always talk about music. Uh, you know the uh, the passing of Walter Becker uh, over the weekend, which you know I, it's funny because I consider one of the best musical purchases I ever made. You know when, uh, when remember when BMG was the the the, the thing, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the the compact disc club, and you can, I got the uh, Steely Dan box set called Citizen Dan. That is possibly the best purchase I ever made because I you know all every single album, every single song, and you just by by listening to that, you know the the talent of the writing and the musicianship of Donald Fagan and Walter Becker and the group that they put together. Uh, a lot of session musicians. I mean, it, it, you know, he was sixty. I think sixty-seven years old, and it's, that's way too early for him to pass. I mean, look, I I loved Donald Fagan's solo album. I've loved a lot of the Steely Dan work, but for whatever reason, they haven't migrated onto my iPod. I definitely still have CDs. Yeah, maybe this will get it, make it happen. But you know, we we all grew up knowing that they weren't a touring band, right? Like yeah, they just weren't going to tour. You're never going to see them. And then in 93, I did see him. Was it 93? Uh, yeah, I think it was 93. I did see him in Philly at the Spectrum. That yeah. was actually like the first time they started retouring in all those years. And, and they were great. And it was really fun to see him. Now, in the last 10 years, they've toured a lot because what they realized is, and I think it was Becker that came out with this. Now, again, I don't feel bad for them. They were multimillionaires. But he realized he couldn't stay retired based on record sales. Because record sales had kept them retired because they didn't need to do anything. They had royalties. There was just the two of them that they had to worry about. And so that's why they never toured. But then in their later years, they yeah. started touring because they needed money. And they yeah, had that. Man, I mean, there's no way you can make it in the music industry now like the way they did. I mean, it's just right. not, it's not possible um, because, of, I mean, you can, you, can, you can do it, but you're not going to make a living doing it. 
because touring is everything, you know. Um, yeah. And really, and they probably had a big house to pay, you know, more, you know. Oh, yeah, and, 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 you know, they had, I mean, they had expenses. I mean, you know, back then you could get money from, you know, radio play. You still get some money from radio play. Guys like those still get money from radio play, but not enough. You have to, you have to get played significantly very much, you know, you have to play millions yeah. of times around the country, too, and they do, but, um, you know, not enough to really, to make, to make a living. Touring is, I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, you look at what people are, you know, everybody's putting out their, their songs for free now, and albums will be, albums will come down in prices, and, you know, pretty much are free. Well, you know, I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, buy them for free. I mean, I'm, I'm going to see you too tonight, and I have a feeling that if, if the, if the music business was like it was 20 years ago, you two probably wouldn't be touring, but then now because I think you know they yeah. they they really have to to and they have the and you know they're almost a guaranteed sellout in most places. Oh yeah. You now the third the 30th anniversary of the Joshua Tree is is a good opportunity for them to go out. Is and, that what this is? Is the Joshua Tree yeah. tour? Okay. Yeah, Joshua Tree tour. So I saw them on that tour the first time around. But. But Mike did inform me there's about fifteen thousand seats available, or what? Well, this is well, this is the thing, and 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 maybe they didn't, you know, they they played Toronto, they played Cleveland, they yeah. played. Where are they playing? Are they playing the? They're outside? playing. They're playing at the stadium. They're playing at the Bills Stadium at New Era Field, and that's seven. And the, and the, to bring this to hockey, this is the concern I had when they announced that outdoor game between Team USA and Team Canada. Now it's not going to be on New Year's Eve. I think it's on like the 29th of December, right. Russ. But good luck trying to get seventy five thousand people for for yeah, a team. This is where, like, if this were twenty years ago, you two wouldn't have a problem, right? But right. the demand for you two is definitely down from what it was twenty years ago. It's not to say they're not still great. It's yeah. just supply and demand. Like I, I just saw Green Day the other day at BB and T here, and I just went with strict lawn seats, last seat in the house, but they were great. Like it, the whole night cost me maybe one hundred twenty five bucks. But right. tell everybody what you choose charging for floor seats for this. Uh, it's over two hundred bucks, and th this is the reason why. And I don't, I don't remember if it was Zuropa or one of their. You know, this was a tour maybe in the last ten years that they played at the, the at the Sabres Arena at, at uh, uh, Key Bank Center, and the tickets. The average ticket was one hundred and fifty bucks, and I said I will never, I will never go see U two when it's like that. But they're selling upper deck tickets at the uh, at the stadium for thirty five bucks on Ticketmaster, and now like people are scrambling on StubHub. You probably could buy a ticket for ten bucks. So it's you know and it's worth it. I mean, if you're in that area and you've never seen U two live, it's yeah. it's worth it. I mean, they are one of the best live bands ever. Um, and, and I wished I wish I could have seen them before. Like I mean, I this was on my bucket list. I I wanted to. They played Shays Buffalo, a smaller theater here. They played actually. They it's funny, and in the seven in the late seventies or early eighties when they put out their first album, they were touring like small clubs. And there was a club near where I live right now called Uncle Sam's. A lot of bands played there. And they screwed up the advertisement. They advertised the band as V2 instead of U2. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is so funny. Um, you know, I um, this, this is how... It was just one letter off, really. I mean... It was really close enough. <laughs> this is how old I am um, now, really making me feel terribly old. But I waited out in line for tickets to um, the Unforgettable Fire Tour. Right, 84. Um, it 84 at Gold Medal Sporting Goods, you know, in um, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, which is like, you know, where you had to wait in line in for a Ticketmaster ticket place yep. to buy the tickets. So I got up in the early in the morning and stood out there and got tickets to that. I mean, that's... Well, I mean, I, I saw him at Live Aid or listened to him because I was in the bathroom because, uh, you know, you guys know the stories. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the only time I've ever seen or heard them live, but they were great. They're phenomenal live. I mean, and, and, and they're yeah. phenomenal live from all I've heard. I mean, they're in great shape still. Bono's voice is still awesome. He yeah. he's the real deal. Like him or hate him or whatever. He is he's legit. Oh, he's always yeah. been the real deal. I mean and I'm legitimate to what his beliefs are. He's he's actually a guy who has, you know, he, I, he lives by his beliefs and his, I'm I'm and, looking forward to the show and when he starts talking politics, I'll just do this for about fifteen seconds and then I can listen to the music, which I enjoy. I just you know, I don't I don't need to be preached to. That's all. Yeah. You'll get a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's the that that's the price I have to pay. So whatever. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's get on to hockey. Should we? Should we? Yes. Shall we? Here we go. Um, it's one sixteen for those of you keeping track at home. One seventeen. Hello, hockey world. It's Tuesday, September fifth, twenty seventeen. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. 
And I am Eklund, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And we do have some signings to talk about um, that happened over the weekend. Um, the first one I think is the one I want to really, really want to focus on here would be um, out in Arizona where Anthony DeClaire has been signed to a one-year deal. Mm. And um, we talked a lot about DeClaire on this. And this is definitely the kind of deal that I expected if he was going to sign there. I know they tried to trade him. Um, they asked a lot, which is it should because he's like, they you know they gave up a lot to get him in their mind. So that and the, and he is a, he is a valuable player who had a great rookie year. So um, and had a you know everybody's keep saying he had a rough year last year and he did, but he also didn't get much of a chance last year. No, he him. got no chance last year. So it's hard to sit there and say, but um, so he's he's back for a year, which puts him you know. I would say firmly into the trade deadline talks, you know, like he's going to be a trade deadline guy. Now when you sign a one year deal and you're Anthony declare, maybe, think- maybe, but it's a new start with Rick Tockett. Um, you know, if they put him together with, 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 with the uh, max Domi again, maybe that can spark his offensive uh, abilities, which, you know, were apparent, very apparent two years ago. I don't think this is the end of him in Arizona. It's, it's a workable number. I think it was $1.2 million. So, but he's an RFA, so they can still there. He's still controllable. It's a, still a question whether, you know, they want to keep him, they want to see see it through with him, or they just are signing him because now they got him under contract and now they can move him. I, I think they're going to at least give him a chance. I think they give him a shot too. I really do. No, he gets he gets a shot, but but I see what you're saying, Eck, and I definitely agree with you. Just in the sense that they know they have a lot of young players on the way. It sort of seems like they just they're using him to buy time. And that's the the level of commitment that they showed him, really, in yeah, one yeah. year. Now, if you want to say on the Arizona part, to be fair, he needs to show more, that's fine. But I believe he will show more. And then if he does, I think he still gets traded. I think that's the worst part of this is if Anthony DeClaire has a really solid first half, I still think he's going to get traded. And that's that's the worst part of this for me. If they, I don't see them locking up anybody. And I'm not saying they should lock him up for a long time, but this was a chance. If he signed for one year, 1.2, they certainly could have signed him for like three years, nine million, and and that would have shown me a little bit more. And they, you know, that wouldn't have locked them in, but it would have at least shown a level of commitment for him. Now he's like, hey, I got to prove myself. But it's almost like if he proves himself, he prices himself out of that team. Right. Yeah, and I think that's very possible. And I think there's a lot of teams that do really want him. And um, came close to getting him. And, and yeah, Arizona is, sitting there saying, "We want a little bit more. If he plays well enough, they can get a little more." And I think I think that's what this is sort of about. And um, this is this is a guard against rushing. You know, say say for example, even yeah. though you know Dylan Strom is a center, but there's been talk about possibly playing him on the wing. This is a guard against. Can I can I throw out out there that's insane to play Dylan Strom on the wing? Just in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I, there's some guys I get. Like you know, we've yeah. talked about a lot of guys, even. Even Patrick, if you believe, if you want to give me some notion that Nolan Patrick's not going to get injured on the wing, I might listen to you. But Dylan Strom is a center or bust. He is exactly the prototypical hardest thing to find in the NHL, a big scoring center. That's what yeah. he is. Right? Yeah, but corners, like I don't see him as a guy that could transition to wing either. Like I just don't see it. But yeah, well, I know what you're saying, Mike. You're saying, okay, that could change the way that Arizona looks right. moving forward. When I get that, yeah. but I think at the end of the day, this team is too young to worry. But it's too young and too many moving parts to even think about how they look because they're just they're going to look so many different ways. Um, and they could have, there could be something you know where they they look a certain way here, a certain way there. They they could come off to a, could get up to a great start with talk. They could struggle right out of the gate. I really, this is the hardest team to predict in the league, in my mind, and and it's a, to where they're going because they are young enough and talented enough that they could really be like one of those teams that just surprises everybody. I really do believe that. They but they, at the same time, they have, you know, they could they could go either way, and and they they, they have such a talent base that they conceivably yeah. and this and I'm not putting pr- undue pressure on them. They conceivably could be the Western Conference's answer to Toronto because right. you're, ta- you're talking about Keller. And strong. Exactly what they are, Mike. I mean, they are exactly that. Yeah, and, but we don't hear about Chikrin, and that silence is, is worrying. Yeah. But here's the thing that, yeah, we don't hear about Chikrin, but they are better than Toronto defensively um, as far as, you know, go, it goes. It's, you know, there's no question about that. They're not as good offensively, of course, but, you know, they're, they're pretty close. They have some players that could potentially be close, but they're better defensively. And, you know, 
uh, we'll see where they are at gold. That's you know, I think that they made a great move there. So I think that they're in a good shape. In good shape there. I loved I thought the trade they made with the, the Rangers. I mean, this is a team that I just, it's just very hard to predict where they're going to be. But um, moving on to the other signing too. So I know we didn't talk about this, but I wanted to kind of segue into my blog today with this. Um, I wasn't here last week, so to talk about the Vanek signing, um, really. But um, you know, Thomas Vanek signing in Vancouver, definitely a surprise in a lot of ways. Um, and and one of those questions that my my very good friends in Vancouver, who I you know met back way back during the Olympics out there. Who always say, you know, what the heck are we doing? Are we rebuilding or what? And then, you know, this signing comes up, and they're like, I guess we're not rebuilding. We're signing Thomas Vanek. To which I said, No, you're getting Vanek for a really good price. I thought, and I think it's not going to hurt you. I don't think this is. I don't, I don't like that all or nothing rebuild concept. You know, that people have to have. Yeah, you don't have to be a hundred percent committed to that because no. the all or nothing rebuild is the Arizona Coyotes, and it's not gotten them anywhere. It takes a long friggin' time, and Toronto is that. You know, and it takes yeah. a long time, and. But Vanek is, you know, he's, I've said my, and I've talked to people and, you know, know Vanek a little bit myself. And just the fact of the matter is he is one of those players who plays better with skilled players flat out. Like if you put him with skilled players, he's looked a lot better. He looked better in Detroit when he played with skilled players. He looked better, you know, in, he didn't look well in, in good in Florida when he didn't play with skilled players. He had a tough time in Montreal when he wasn't playing with skilled players. There's certain situations you just put him in. He doesn't have that same thing in Minnesota. He really struggled because he wasn't with skilled players here. I don't know if he's going to play with the Sedins, but if he does, which is, I think, you know, what a lot of people are yeah. suspecting, um, that is the, you know, you're playing with two of the most skilled players. So this could be great for Vanek. Now, that being said, let's bring you to use the Kevin Allen line, which I always like to use. That being said, let me throw this out. What are the Sedins? This, the Sedins are obviously, are obviously on their contract here. They're going to be UFAs. They want to stay in Vancouver. There's no question about that. They've made it clear that they want to retire Canucks. They want to be, that's where they want to be. They like it there. They also though, the feeling among other GMs and other people in general and scouts is that they will, if things don't go really well and the Vancouver Canucks aren't in a playoff race, which is what a lot of people think could happen. Um, if that, if that does happen, they're not opposed to being a rental and then coming back and signing in the summer in Vancouver. Because that'll make Vancouver Canucks better, and that's they, they see that as a way of helping the Canucks and helping themselves in the future. I don't think they're getting traded this late, though. That's the problem. Now, well, well, I'm, talking talking about, I'm talking about a deadline trade, actually. Okay, if you're talking deadline, it will depend on how the Canucks are doing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's all yeah. the you're right. They are still right. of the mindset. You know, they're hockey players. They're like we have a chance. They like the Vanek thing. They're of the mindset. Talking to everybody I know, that they still think you know the Canucks are a playoff team and they're going to battle. I'm just saying, if it doesn't go that way. Right. Well, let's, they will, let's, they will let's, probably let's, opt to leave and probably want to leave together, which is which is still really funny. I mean, can't they be what, traded separately? What you're what you're what you're oh. saying, Ak, is that the what you're saying, Ak, is that the Sedins will do what Matt Sundin did not do a decade ago. Precisely. Which like is, Keith Kachuk which is, did do a couple times. Keith Kachuk did, I think, for was it the Thrashers or the Blues? I think it was the Blues he did it for, right? Right, which is for for the organization that paid you millions and millions of dollars for you know right. twenty years. You will go and live out of a suitcase for for two months. For two months and play for the Stanley Cup. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. But yeah. and and I and you know, your your blog today, um, you know, postulated on a couple teams, and I can tell you from <laughs> the fit, Montreal makes a lot of sense. Toronto makes absolutely no sense. Because Toronto, Toronto, Montreal this morning, you said Toronto makes a lot of sense and Montreal makes absolutely no sense. Well, to, first of all, yeah, first of all, Montreal, Montreal's got the cap space, so but Mont, but Montreal does not have what I would think that that Jim Benning would want in young assets to trade for the city. You know, if you want a first round pick, if you want Noah Juleson, fine, okay. Maybe they maybe they'd be shooting for more than that. I don't think Montreal is going to trade, you know, a good chunk of of their youth or what's remaining of their youth to to bring in two aging but quality veterans. Toronto, on the other hand, they have a lot of youth, but they don't have the cap space. Even with Lupo and Horton and all those guys that they can put on LTAR, maybe you know Vancouver could eat half the salary. I was told that could happen, and I was told that you know they do have more cap space. This is what I would talk to somebody who. Is pretty high in Toronto, and he said, you know, who who did confirm that this would make sense on some levels, and said that they did have the cap space to do it. 
It said it would depend. Of course, all this depends on scenarios. You know, all this depends on where the Leafs are, where the Canadians are. Yeah. If if the if the if the Sedines were a pair of All Star defensemen, I would say Toronto. Sure. Yeah, no problem. But Toronto would be ex- would be expending assets to bolster an area where they don't need bolstering. They're loaded at forward. They need blue line help. They're loaded forward as of now. Okay, that's why I, I brought the same question up. I said, okay, you know, they are, you know, but what if Van Riemsdyk is moved for a defenseman? You know, what if some of the, so there's, there's other situations where this changes and then suddenly, you know, Lou Lamorello, who loves the Sedins, um, looks at these guys as, as bringing in two experienced guys for a playoff run, if you see the window in the East being pretty clear, which it might be. You know, the, the, East, the Eastern Conference, you know, has has its you know has has the penguins obviously but say the penguin you know but the penguins are the you know what they are they could they're losing a couple of players they lost Benino there are people who think that you know the penguins are a couple of big injuries away from having issues you know they don't have that wallet you know that that insurance policy anymore if they get one of those big guys hurt uh, or if they lose their goalie which is a big deal so they have to worry about that right the, so you know the capitals are still going to be great but in in their own division the Maple Leafs have a shot at winning it which could put them on a course to get to the conference finals, which could put them in a situation where there there's one, I mean, and the team, the team that, and you know, I, I know there's a level of excitement right now in Toronto, you know, and I, I'm trying to just sort of be, you know, the, the devil's advocate here. I, I, I think that there, you know, obviously there's a lot of talent there and I think that they're, they're obviously on an upward track, but I think their defense is not good enough and um, you know, they're very young. So there's a possibility of players having sophomore slumps. I think the P the, the team that everybody's overlooking in the, in the, in the, in, in the Northeast and the Atlantic is Tampa Bay. I, I think Tampa Bay is the overwhelming oh, yeah. favorite to win that division. And what's if Stamkos can stay healthy and that's a big, that's a big if he, you know, he's uh, that, that team I think is the overwhelming favorite, even over Pittsburgh in the East. Nah, I don't want to say overwhelming. I can't say overwhelming. No way. Well, not like, you know, not like a two to one odds. I'm just saying that they, if, if Stamkos stays healthy there, they have one of the best defensemen in the league. In, in in Hedman, they have a, a legitimately a superstar in, in Nikita Kucherov. Stamkos is a superstar as well. They're, they're, they're off, their forward depth is great. Their defense depth, defensive depth is better. You know, you can criticize them, but I think the, the addition of Girardi to Strawman and Hedman and Coburn and that group, it was and and Sergachev is probably going to make the NHL this year. And Vasilevsky, you know. Maybe there's something to prove there, but I think he could be one of the better goalies in the league. So I, I think if everything falls into place, they're they're tops in the East. Yeah, I still can't go there. Okay, they're close. I, I think if they're healthy, they are. I mean, I agree with you what you're saying there, Mike. I do. Um, I don't disagree with that at all. They're one of the three or four best teams. Yes. Yeah. Look, I yeah, mean, I, you're counting Girardi as a positive. That's a big. That's a big if right there. I mean, that's you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I know. I got that. I have that. By the way, Russ, what you sent to me, I have on my, I have on the doc. Okay. Here. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Absolutely. Um, yeah. If you, I'm, I'm more along the lines of Mike than Russ on, on, on the Lightning. I do agree with you. I think the Lightning is could be the best team in the East, um, and everything's there for that to happen. It all has to happen, though. You know, and with you know what I think's happening there, though, and I think it has nothing to do with players. I think the mojo for John Cooper is is, is failing. And that's fascinating, isn't it? Well, to the, to that point, Russ, when you are forced to move a talent like Jonathan Drouin because, in general, he doesn't get along with the coach or doesn't fit the coach's strategy or or his his mm-hmm. uh, mo, then that's a problem. Now yeah. he's you know, he's gotten to a Stanley Cup final, he's gotten to a conference final, he's got a team laden with talent, but. You know they missed the playoffs last year, and Stamkos's injury can be used as an excuse for that. But if they struggle again this year, don't be surprised if around January Cooper is a, is a is a casualty. And that's what I'm thinking. Like I just see his power waning there, and I think I think if you asked ownership, they probably weren't thrilled that they had to trade Durant. Yeah. Oh no, they weren't. I mean, because obviously, you know, when you put a draft pick up like that, you know, and then you saw the skills they had. They made a good trade. I mean, I think I think that 
they forced I, I think Eisenman would have traded him for less at some point, but they wasn't allowed to. I got that impression. Right. Yeah, when when he was mad, yes. Yeah, when he was pissed off. And, and I think that, you know, what's funny about that, you know, everybody talks about, and, you know, Eisenman, how patient he was and all that stuff. A lot of that has to do with the fact that he wasn't allowed to make a move. I heard that at least. I mean, I'm not saying that Eisenman's not a great GM. He's obviously a great GM, but I'm just saying that there are a couple sides to that story. Yeah, um, but I, I think I, I actually think the the greatness of Eiserman as a GM has been his ability to get players under contract for a lot less than people. Yeah, he's done a great job with that, and and that also again has a little bit to do with the fact he, of where he lives. I mean, that's yes. the thing. You cannot discount that is probably one of the nicest places to live in the NHL, and and, yeah, and, the, the, and the and the state and the state tax ramifications, which helps you in the contract but, too. I'm not, but I'm, I'm not trying to take a big wave. My no, no, but but GMs but, that have a lot more to deal with. But put it side to side with Florida. Florida really hasn't benefited. I mean, well, benefited from the from that that advantage as much as Tampa has. Let me throw this out there though, because I spe- you know, and I this is not to rip my the Miami area at all, but just to compare it for a second. You know, um, I spent time this. I spend time every year in the Tampa area because that's where my in laws live. But mm-hmm. I spend spent time this year because the Maccabi games my daughter played in in the Miami area and they're night and day as far as you know and sure. I and the difference the different the main difference is not that it's not beautiful in Miami because it is beautiful in Miami it's actually warmer in Miami than it is in Tampa so it's I mean it's probably more beautiful there but less, less lightning <laughs> right there's, there's less, less rain yeah you know but Miami is a very crazy place because you know you have a lot of you have a more dispersion as far as poverty goes you have all different kinds of things going on there and the other, and the other thing that you really have in Miami is older people, and that's not just a, it's not just a Seinfeld joke, but Tampa has a booming young person society. Like there's well, a. And like, here's the other thing, Eck. Tampa has real Tampa fans. Miami has a lot of fans from a lot of different areas that have moved there, and they're not that rabid. Like a lot of fans go there. You see, like when there's a Ranger game, there's a lot of fans wearing Ranger jerseys. When they're, you know, and and that's you see a lot of that. And you see that in Tampa too, though. I mean, I'm no, but not as much, not nearly as much. No, I think I think you're probably right, but about that, but I think it's not as not as widely. All I have to do is ask you this: How many bars did you see dedicated to the Panthers, and how many do you see dedicated? Yeah, no, that's and that's what I'm saying, and that I think has a little bit to do with the the aged also too. Yeah, sure. People go out to bars, but I do think that that's. And there's a whole – and where the arena is because where the arena is in Tampa, it's as if, you know, you put it near South Street in Philly. You know, it, it's right. in like a hipper, younger area. Um, maybe South Street's not that way anymore, but <laughs> that's what I grew up with, South Street. So yeah. No, but, I mean, it's just I remember finding a couple – when I was out there for the Cup, I remember finding a couple of bars out there that were strictly like, hey, we're, we're Tampa Bay Lightning first. And, yeah. like, you know, we're going to see that this year with strip clubs in Vegas. Right, right. <laughs> and the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> oh man, there are so many people who are already planning their first trip to Vegas. To Vegas. I know. Well, I, I, it's, it's we'll funny. Literally, it's have funny. the most interesting. The my 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 biggest disappointment in, in Chicago at the NHL draft was when the ske- when the NHL schedule came out, and I noticed that the Leafs were playing in Vegas on New Year's Eve. That there's no p- worse time or place to uh, to go on New Year's Eve than Vegas in terms of expense and things of that nature. And I said, there's no way I can go. If it wasn't like in the middle of January, I would have gone to cover the Leafs and Vegas in Vegas. But there's no way I'm going to. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. The Flyers are there in February 11th. Thinking that sounds like a like I'm I'm just I'm a I'm a reporter, but I'm thinking to my I'm thinking that's pretty close to Valentine's Day. It might be a fun thing for my wife and I to go out to you know cover yeah. the game and then stay a couple more days. And that's what everyone's doing, right? So. It is interesting. Um, and- I will tell you this. There was a funny moment. I spoke to Cody Glass at the uh, the NHLPA Rookie Showcase. And, you know, Jeff is pretty vocal, his dad, on Twitter. And, and I asked Cody about that. And he basically goes, yeah, my dad pretty much put everything about my life on Twitter. Like, everything, <laughs> every moment. And it's funny because, like, you know, not everybody's dad is a former hockey player. And, right. and he still plays Jeff. He's still trying one more go at it, I think. Um, but you know what I mean? But most dads are just dads, but to him, he's just his dad and he's still embarrassing him. It's funny. It is really, I've dealt with some hockey dads as I'm sure you have over the years. And it's, 
they're they're fat some of them are fascinating they're, they range all over the map you know and just like you would expect right but there are some that are so like incredibly involved in intertwined there's some that are just like well this is a good i've even met dads who like guys who were drafting the first round is like this is a good thing for him to do but he also you know is a smart kid and if he doesn't do this he'll be all right and the kid it's a first round draft pick he's doing pretty well no you know yeah but you know he's you got to always rely on you know your education to get you have those kind of dads and you have the dads in the sixth round you're like my son's everything you know and it's right. just, it's and it's hard as a as a dad of a of an athlete now. I know it's it's got to be incredibly hard to not you know to separate yourself from that. It really is. Difficult. I mean, I think Cody already has more followers than Jeff too. But oh well. yeah, probably does, right? All right. So um, and now we talked about the two signings. Now there's a couple of players. Go ahead, Mike. Well, there was another there was another signing that uh, and I, and I wrote about it over the weekend that I thought in terms of a comparative that it would have a little bit of an effect on certain players. And, uh, of course, I'm bringing it to the Leafs here when it comes to William Nylander. But the, the signing was Alexander Wenberg in, in Columbus. Oh, yeah. Now, they, 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 signed him for, they signed him for six years. And if you look at him, he's been in the league for three years, almost three full seasons, and he had 59 points in his last season, and he got a deal of a, a little under $5 million. Now, it's not exact, but he was a mid-first-round pick. Nylander was picked eighth overall. They're around the same age. Um, Wenberg is playing center. He yeah. and you know, arguably he's the de facto no. He was the de facto number one center last year for a very successful Columbus team. Nylander is still playing on the wing, and I think and will probably play on the wing still this year. But when he comes up for a new deal – Next summer, everybody's thinking, oh, seven and seven and a half million, it's going to be terrible. No, I'm telling you right now, the, the deal that Nylander signs with Lou Lamorello as a very tough negotiator in terms of a contract, the deal is going to be closer to what Wenberg got, probably in the five and a half, maybe the $6.2 million range, and not seven million, unless he blows no, the know. doors up. Unless he blows think, the doors off. Wenberg is a different kind of case. I think they did the right thing with this, but I think that. Nylander is going to be looking more at Pasternak, what he does, I think, than Wenberg. I think. Well, that no, no. no. See, here's, here's the thing, Eck. Nylander is not a complete player. Lou is not paying that all that money to a guy who's not yet a complete player. And just and if but we if see this, that, I know what you're saying, but if he has that chemistry with Austin Matthews again, that and if that, well, he may not because they may not allow him. If to. they don't let that happen, then fine. But if and, and they, I mean, the, they're not going to not allow that to happen because no, 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 no. Don't don't say that because I'll will tell you something right now. With with the addition of Patrick Marlowe, there is going to be a little bit of a move move around in terms of line assignments. It is very possible that no. they put Marlowe on Matthews' line and move Zach Hyman to the right side and put Neilander with with Kadri and Komarov. He played a lot with them last year. It wouldn't be a great change and you know teams do this they will put themselves in a position to not have to pay somebody the big money not the, not not this coach not this gm not that city no way they're gonna they're gonna do whatever's best for their it's team they're not gonna move him off that line if he's but now if they think that's what's best for their team then fine but if he goes on there and plays that far-fetched even just from an operation standpoint forgetting about the contract that that might happen but i'm just saying look at sam bennett nylander's a little better offensively than Sam Bennett, but Sam Bennett doesn't play a complete game either, and that's why he's having trouble. Right, and and you know that's what Athens and Steen is having. That's why Pasternak's having trouble. Right, actually, yeah. they're all they're all sort of in that same boat, right? But and um, and pa and Pasternak, it came it came out it came out today that Pasternak is not using Tarasenko as a comparative. He's using Drysital as a comparative. This is what I said last week. I know it came out today, but I'm just throwing it out there for heck. But because I know because this is what we talked about on the show. Because I talked to people in Boston, and I said this is why I said the trade was even possible before that because I knew this was the case. This is what he is doing, and because he has Boston, um, the agent there feels like they have Boston in a weird spot because of their history that they have these guys like that they have to they can't let another great player go they have to sign him i think they're overplaying that hand a bit and i don't know where this is going to give i they, think but they might they might be overplaying it act but what i think is going to happen is in the end that the compromise will be around what they you know if you shoot high by missing you're going to get what Bergeron's getting in this high sixes or low sevens if you know if you shoot for seven million then the, then the middle point is is around what Marchand is making, and that's right. what they don't want. They want they want to make as close to seven million or above seven million if, if possible. Yeah, but you know what's going to happen if if Pasternak, let's say, holds out the beginning of camp, which now looks like a possibility. Anders Borg goes in there. 
They throw him in the Pasternak spot. He is not a, he's not Pasternak, right? But he's a really right. terrific offensive player with a lot of energy and a lot of skill. If he just does anything, they're going to work that as leverage, and yeah. that's going to hurt Pasternak's deal. It, it really yeah. will. I don't disagree with that, but I think that there's no way Pasternak's going to take less than seven. I don't think there's any possibility. I think I think it's going to be closer to seven and a half, and I I honestly think that seven. Now, I, I t so Mike, you sit there and you say this, but if I'm if I'm Boston and you're you know you're Toronto and I'm offering you Pasternak for Nylander, do you make that trade? Not well, no, because if I you Pasternak for Nylander, would you make that trade? You no, because right now, because right now you're getting another year of Nylander at less than uh, less than a million dollars. All you right, so for one year, but like skill wise, do you make this trade? Um, I think they're a pretty com they're pretty comparable. I mean, I really do. I think I think Pasternak might be a better scorer, a better shooter. Uh, I think Nealander's a better playmaker. That's why everybody thinks they're yeah, going to move I, I agree with that. Yeah. Right, and I th but also Nealander has shown chemistry with Austin Matthews. Yeah, I, I so let's just say this. I don't think William uh, William Nealander will maybe will score thirty four goals in his career, but it'll probably be his career year. I think he's more of a twenty five goal, fifty assist type of player. Whereas I think yeah. Pasternak could score forty to forty five goals. Some of that has to do with the team they're on, though, too, because like, you know Nealander is going to have other players who are going to score on his line, you know, wherever he is. Where Pasternak, you know, doesn't have all the offense. Nylander. But but actually, this is the thing, and I saw I've seen Nealander play center at the American Hockey League level and with the Leafs briefly when he was a rookie his skill set is more uh, more it's more uh adaptive it, it, he, he's better he's a center he is a center he, he's i don't think he, he can play wing he's played wing before but i think his skill set his playmaking ability his speed is more a fit at center and when tyler bozak leaves as a free agent at the end of this year i'm fairly convinced that the leafs are going to move neil under to center but i don't think that they're going to do that right now because they centers make more and i think that they're going to try to lock him up before he moves to center because it'll be cheaper to do that we'll see i mean so but passionate's out there still still not still not done athena Sayus still not done um we talked and they're discussing things but um he's still also talking to the khl apparently which is not a great thing this um, is this is shooting shots across the bow this yeah, is like this is again you're talking to a league already in progress. Like, I'm sorry, with the KHL, with mo usually I'm, uh, you guys know I'm 100% on board with that with KHL. Yeah. But this case, not so much because I've heard that he just wasn't happy with the coach in Detroit, and he didn't like the situation. So he's his part of his thinking is he could go over there, he could maybe play for Team Canada in the Olympics. He could actually make a bigger name for himself, come back here and sign, and you know, and get himself, force himself out of there. Now let me let me ask this because I and I, I'm not laying the blame for their decline on Jeff Blaschel, but how long, how how long is it before Blaschel becomes in is 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 in trouble? Uh, in Detroit? at least another three years. Yeah, he's got years because there's no. I think they're going to have him five years altogether. I mean, I think that you know this is two years. This is year two, right? So yeah. I think five because I mean Holland is. You know, obviously, he had a great coach ever such a long well, time. We're assuming now Ken Holland will be there beyond this right. year. I think he will be. I mean, just talking uh, to people. I would say that's 50-50, I'm not sure about that. I don't know. I didn't get any impression, you know. And we had Kevin on here who knows him really well last week, and he didn't give us any impression that he, we'd asked him that very question, and he said he doesn't think Holland's going anywhere. I don't know. I just, I, it's possible that unless they force him out and say you're gone, but you know. Until I just look at it this way, I have no inside information. Yeah. Until a contract is signed or an extension for Holland, I'm going to have that thought in the back of my head. Oh, of course, no, and you're, and that's of course, that's, and that's going to be part of the negotiation, right? That's definitely going to go on. Um. So yeah, and before so before we get on to the to the you know the main story today, which is our main thing, which is going to be going into the little Blackhawks preview, we do have to watch Shea Weber ride a horse. So here you go. This is, I mean, you can't we can't go on without this, right? All right, so here we go. Is he riding a horse or is he racing a horse? A racing horse. Sorry, I mean racing. Sorry, this was inevitable. This is like the sharks. This is like the uh, you know the shark race. Sorry, man, five losing my life. Who, wait, who Russ? Who was it that raced the harness? The harness race horse was it? Oh, was that it was Carlos? Hans Lorbert. It was a uh, Philadelphia Philly back in the early nineteen hundred, like I want to say nineteen twenties, and he raced a racehorse on the baseball diamond. Act. On the baseball diamond. Yes, that happened. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. And this is taking a long time to load. 
Yeah, I'll give you the year. I want to say it's 1923 off the top of my head, but all right, we might come back to this. Um, all right, yeah, let's let's do the let's do the Blackhawks. Let's go on to the Blackhawks for a second. Um, I'm gonna bring up my Blackhawks notes, but you give me your initial thoughts on the Blackhawks for a second while I do that. Well, the thing that the thing that jumps out at me regarding the Blackhawks is the fact that now, obviously, you know, Taves and Kane are. You know they're not kids anymore, but they're still ve- they're still in their prime. They're still very effective players. You know, Marion Hosa will not will not play this year, and pro- you know I would assume is not going to play ever again. But uh, you know that that's that hasn't been announced. My my area of concern for the Blackhawks is their blue line because they always could rely rely on Keith Seabrook. Yarmolson and one other again, Oduya or Trevor Van Riemsdyk or something like that. Yarmolson's gone now. They've traded him to Arizona. It was 1914. Sorry. There you go. Van Riemsdyk is gone. He's in Carolina. Oduya is gone. And their, their number three defenseman is Connor Murphy. And I'm not casting aspersions on Connor Murphy, but he's not Yarmolson. And there's not a ton of depth there. I think the forwards are still there in Chicago. And we'll talk about, you know, guys who I think could make an yeah. impact with them. But I think the overwhelming concern with them is they don't have the defense that they've had in past years. And we, Russ, we saw Joel Quenville storm out at the draft oh, yeah. when, he, when he found out about the Yarmolson deal. This was not something that he wanted. Yeah, no, no. not at all. I mean, he sees the blue line diminishing. We all see it. So that's that's the real thing. There's nothing you can do about it. It's yeah. – it's going to put a lot of pressure on on goaltending. It really is. I mean, Corey Crawford now is going to have to really be that guy. And if he is, we're you know people have to start giving him a pass. Then the same way we used to hear the same things about Bordeaux. Well, he's got the best defense in front of him. Then all of a sudden, every year he was losing defensemen, and after a while, Bordeaux didn't have much in front of him. And Crawford's in that spot now. What I do still like about him is they do still have defensive forwards. You know. Taves, Kane, these guys play defense, Hartman, they check hard. So they can limit the amount of shots still, and I think that's going to sort of be their game on defense is to always have the puck. I think they're going to try and be a puck possession team. You know, if Nick Schmaltz continues, he's another one that always seems to have the puck. They have a lot of these guys. John Hayden is a big physical guy at 223 pounds. He came on the scene last year right out of college. He had four points in 12 games. He could be more of a contributor, but an all-around guy. If they have those kinds of guys that will punish you in the corners and hold on to the puck, I'm not that worried about them. We do a little preview overview of the Chicago Blackhawks now for my news. Um, yeah. and then we'll give it on to all this stuff. The Blackhawks finished first in the Central Division last year, uh, 109 points, beating out the Minnesota Wild by three points in sort of a late rush to the to the to the uh, to the finish line there because the Wild had that most of the year. Then uh, Chicago took over towards the end. Um, they were interesting for them. I mean, that 109 points is really great. Um, they obviously, of course, let's talk about the regular season for a second more. Goals per game last year, uh, 2.98 goals per game last year, which would put them at ninth in the NHL, which is low for them. Goals against per game, 2.6, which puts them at 10th. Those are not great numbers for the Blackhawks um, at all to be ninth and 10th in goals for and goals against. Power play percentage was even worse. 18% on the power play, which puts them at 19th, and their penalty killing percentage was 77.7, which is 24th. These are really crazy numbers, first of all, to win a division. <laughs> with, yeah, but without Yalmerson now, that penalty killing is going to get worse. Right? And it's already bad. It's already 24th worst in the league. Yeah. So Interesting. So neither their power play or their penalty kill, quote-unquote, made the playoffs. Neither was in the top 16, which is kind of fascinating. Um, they, they actually, you know... Of course, they went in the first round, and they were eliminated by the Nashville Predators in, a, in what was probably the most shocking series in the playoffs mm-hmm. at the time it happened. And then as time went on, the Predators showed what they were all about. Um, it, it became, And we looked a little bit more at, at this team. We weren't so shocked. They decided in the offseason, of course, right before the draft, while I was trying to get some sleep in Austria, um, <laughs> they made a trade, um, and they picked, pick, you know, bringing Brandon Saad back kind of to put the band back together a little bit so he could play yeah. with and Taves again and you know and and moving out you know um Panarin you know Mr. Breadman Panarin who yeah. um who you know was apparent you know was basically Patrick Kane's buddy and and really they 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 played well, they played really well together and what's interesting about this trade though was that 
you bring back like a character guy in Saad who's still very young. Remember, Saad played for the North American team last year. But the thing about the they by moving Panarin, a superstar type player potentially, was was exactly what Columbus wanted. That Columbus needed that superstar type player, so they got it. And after losing, well, they didn't have that player, right? Well, so. well, the, 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 this is the interesting thing about that about that deal. The deal I think was primarily made. I mean, Saad played with Taves a lot of the time while he was in. Uh, while he was in Chicago, and that combo, I'm, I'm sure they're looking to get maximized Taves' offensive numbers, and, and Saad has worked, worked well with him in the past. But I think the overwhelming thing with that is it was cost certainty. Right. Saad has, a, has, six year, has signed a six-year deal. He has four years left at $6 million. Yeah. Panarin has, I believe, two years left at around $6 million, and then he's a UFA, and there's no way that the Blackhawks with those yeah. two $10.5 million contracts are going to gonna be able to sign. Yeah, you can't, have, you can't have three of those guys. This is like another – Panarin, to me, often reminds me a little bit of Dreisaitl to a degree. Not not the same kind of player, but and the same kind of money perhaps when he goes up for that renegotiation. So you're looking at a big thing there. Um, so this team, this team also went out on on July first and picked up reacquired Patrick Sharp in a one year deal, which was you know Patrick Sharp had a really tough season last year and the last couple of years with injuries he's a he's a gutsy performer but this is again a little bit of bringing the band back together bringing in Sod and Sharp trying to you know rekindle the glory days of what five years ago nothing like too long ago um, I mean we we did we saw a failure of that with Lad. Yeah. Nothing is guaranteed with Saad. Now, Saad also is another one of those guys that hopefully he got a little faster or he's at least kept his speed because yeah. that could fail him trying to right. replay with those guys because he was never the fastest guy either. Right. And um, and when I look at this offense, I really see a, a, a stark lack of depth that I haven't seen in Chicago before. Um, I mean, well, honestly, that's what it comes off to me. Like the first line um, – you know, is according to, you know, the, I've been going by rosterresource.com to try to be consistent. They do a pretty good job with this. They're projecting Taves, Saad, and Panic to play together, which I think is probably yeah, right. That's probably right. And, yeah. uh, well, and Russ and I talked about this, and I think that the guy who's going to make the team and could have an impact as a rookie playing with Patrick Kane is going to be Alex DeBrincat. I, yeah, I, I, it's going to be fun to watch. He's a he's a really exciting player. I really like Dubrincat. I was upset when other teams didn't take him. I thought he it was one of those when we when Chicago took him. It was like, of course Chicago took a moment because uh, they had just won the Stanley Cup, right? I, I mean, I can tell you this at at the rookie showcase, Dubrincat said Chicago has a plan for him, and then I talked about him just you know playing with Patrick Kane just out of the blue, and he and he seemed to like the idea of that, and I think. It's not that far of a stretch. And so I think between that, between Hayden, between Schmaltz, between Hartman, you know, I'm not as worried about the offense as you are. All right, but, you know, Schmaltz is – I was really impressed with last year. Schmaltz was really good. Um, Anisimov is another guy who um, – yeah, He's going to get 20, 20 goals no matter what. He's solid, right? He's always solid. They have – there have been talks about him possibly being moved. I don't think it's happening, but, you know, I think that now where they are, you know, Basically, a lot of that died down after the Saad trade was made. Um, but, you know, then you, after that, you go to their, you know, right now their fourth line, according to rosterresource.com at least, is Lance, Buma, Tanner, Kiro, and Tommy Wingles, who's hurt right now. And Wingles, but Wingles will be back in time for the season. But well, who's the third line? The third line they have is Ryan Hartman, Schmaltz, and Hinestroza. Now, they don't have. Of course, they they don't have to bring Cat in here, and I do think they don't have to bring it making the team, and they don't, don't have him making the top twelve. No, yeah, so they don't have Hayden making the team. So and they don't have Hayden making the team. Right, they don't. Yeah, so and I agree with you on well, both of those, both of those players, but both are rookies, and and you know, well, no, Hayden played twelve games last year, had four points. I mean, right? Yeah, he. I mean, he should make the team, but you know, the question is, he's only twenty-two years old as well. You know, no, so. no, but he he's coming from college. He's already strong. Like I think. I think it's crazy to not have him listed in the bottom six. I do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's quite possible. But uh, but the again, I think as, as, as much as as much as depth might be a concern uh, up front in the bottom six, I, I still think you know you're talking about Gustav Forsling, 
uh, uh, Michael Kempney, an aging Michael Roosevelt, you know, yeah. Jan Ruda. I mean, the, this is not this isn't exactly the the seventy seven Montreal Canadiens with Lapointe and Savard and Robinson. There's you, you're you're going to overwork. Sheldon, uh, you're going to overwork uh, um, um, Keith and and uh, and um, and Seabrook to the point that you know when it gets to the playoffs, they're going to be exhausted. So, and remember, they went out and got Connor Murphy, um, you know, from Arizona, who um, they're projecting as a top four defenseman for this team. Um, and uh, according to roster resource, they have him at playing with Duncan Keith, you know, on on, on the top line. Um, which is possible because you're not going to put Keith and Seabrook together. No. So that's putting a look. I mean, this is a guy they got from Arizona. You know, they got you know Connor Murphy from Arizona. Murphy has gotten better and better each year, and he's a pretty physical guy. And yeah. I, I think, and he's he actually is very good defensively. I think in the right system, you'll see better results than even what you saw in Arizona. I like Connor Murphy. And I think that's what we're that's what they're hoping on for sure. But. You know, it's not like he was a superstar in Arizona, which no, is, he's not going to ever be a superstar. Which is a team that didn't have a good defense. So when you think about it, the whole thing plays out. It's a little bit scary, like Mike is saying. I mean, I just think that this team really, right now, to me, when I look at definites that are going to be that are going to be there for them, but well, they're know, a definite playoff team. But yeah, they're a playoff team, but they have less of those sure thing guys and way more question marks than they've ever had. And and that's and now in saying that, of course. What are we saying? You know, after 2010, they won the Stanley Cup. They rebuild after they won the Stanley Cup again. They rebuild. They rebuild. This team rebuilds and they do a good job, right? And they always perform yeah. better than you expect them to perform. Jonathan Taves had an off year last year. He's got to come back and and be you know Jonathan Taves again. I mean, it wasn't a terrible year, but it wasn't a good year by Jonathan Taves standards. Yeah. Um, Patrick Kane had a great year, but Panarin was a big part of that. So you know, it's different with Patrick Sharp than Panarin. So if Sharp's playing with Kane. You know, that's you now the Brinkat. You know, put the Brinkat in there with Kane. And- I I think I think there's a I think there's a possibility that, you know, maybe Sharp plays on that top line with Sod and 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 Taves, and that you know a, a guy like Panic who's played a third fourth line role before. Now he scored 20 goals last year, and they signed him to a I think it was really a two year like extension. You know, maybe they don't want to mess with that, and you know, if you get twenty goals out of him playing with Taves, but they, you know, you want to surround surround Jonathan Taves with, um, you know, I mean, Sharp, if he has anything left, you know, could work, could work with Taves. I'll be honest, I would put Hartman on that line because he is a sure thing. He had eighteen even strength goals, nineteen on the year. He was a plus thirteen. All you're talking about with Patrick Sharp is speed at this point. He's not even a finisher anymore. No, right. I think it's speed and you know and clutch play experience type stuff. That's what you're. Yeah, that's to, great for the playoffs. Like just not like going to drive you in the regular season. Right, like a Justin Williams type player, basically. He's not maybe, even Justin Williams though. Yeah, yeah I don't now, think now maybe maybe they want to limit his ice time and maybe they want to play him uh, in a third in a third fourth line role and that's you know keep panic on that top line and have him play with a Hayden or play on that you know with a, a Schmaltz. And and limit him to 14, 15 minutes a night at most. I mean that that's. A I mean, I wonder. You know, I wonder how that's possible, and I wonder how much of you know bringing kind of Sod and Sharp back in had to do with what we were talking about about them trying to you know appease Quenville when they traded journals. I think it's going to have a lot to do with appeasing Quenville, but I think they're going to be there in camp, and you're going to see a guy like Hartman's going to be a more valuable guy. And I'm not saying he's a top liner. But I'm saying they may need to put someone like there on a top line if a guy like Sharp just totally fizzles, which he might. Yeah, yeah, no, he might. And uh, they, this is a team, you know, some interesting. The interesting number I was trying to find, like I've been trying to find interesting numbers for these different teams. The one that really struck me about this team is the number seven. Okay, and the number seven for this team are seven of right now according to this. And even if you throw a Brinkett in there, that's eight. Or hey, if you put Hayden in there, let's see, is that another one? That's a no. Hayden, yeah, Hayden, Hayden nine. Okay, so so if you throw, if you throw, say we throw to bring Cat and Hayden in, and we go to eighteen forwards according to what they have here or whatever, you throw those guys in. Nine of those eighteen forwards are making a million dollars or less, mm-hmm. which is a staggering number. I mean, that that is you don't see many teams with that many guys. On either entry level contracts or just really getting, you know, money. Oh, that's fair. You know, you go back to Sharp. 
you're now talking 2014 since he had that really great year. And then, yes, he had 16 goals and 20 goals in Dallas and then only eight last year. But when he had the 16 and 20 in Dallas, things were growing great with Sagan and Ben. So he was a very good uh, recipient of that, right. much like a Stefan Riche. And I, I just think the wheels have come off Patrick Sharp. I think that's what we're going to I find. think you're right. And the other thing about this, so the other thing about this, so when I go through these guys, uh, so Schmaltz is making, let's go through this for a second. So Hartman making, you know, 900,000. He's 23 years old, so he's still an entry-level contract, right? Uh, Schmaltz is only 21 and a half. He's making uh, just under a million. Um, you know, Henestroza, 20, 24, making 700 million, 700,000, sorry, 700,000. Um, but then you get to the, the fourth line that they have, which is, like I said, Buma, Kiro, and Wingles. 27, 25, 29 years old, all under. So you're talking about not guys that are under entry level contracts, just guys who are getting paid very little. No, they didn't. They didn't mention. They didn't mention Thomas Yurko, who they got from Detroit and re-signed. Right. He's. I don't he's think Yurko's going to make the team out of camp, though, Mike. I think. Yeah. I think they're going to throw him in and learn the Chicago way first, because I think Yurko lost his way a little bit with Detroit. So I think they're going to yeah. be a little bit. Um, you know, they're, they're going to. They're going to need. That Glenville could really get something out of. Like I could see yes. her being. You no, know, they have actually we have them. They have them on here. You know, as a projected extra skater along with Jordan Tutu. Jordan Tutu, yeah, and, and, and to uh, me, Jordan Tutu is a fourth line guy. Right, yeah. but now the other thing again, her Yurko Tutu Ruda, all make under a million dollars as well. So right. you're talking about like these. This is like an incredible amount of. You know, they are very top heavy, obviously, with those players. Well, that's the. Good that's the that's the reality now. When you have oh, yeah. when you when you have two play and and Edmonton Oilers the Edmonton Oilers will ha will have to will have to get used to this starting next year. When you have two players making twenty one million dollars of your salary, you're not going to be able to afford some of these middle of the road contracts. So that's why a lot of people think a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins is going to be gone in Edmonton because next year McDavid's contract kicks in and Drysdale. The total of those two is twenty one million, which is the same total as Taves and Kane. And then half their defensemen are making under a million, and one of their goalies. So really, legitimately, you can sit there and say that half of the Chicago Blackhawks team is making under a million dollars in the in the, per year, which I don't think as many teams can say that. So, and we'll see how that plays out. But it is definitely a huge difference. Well, let's make let, let's make our predictions. It points towards yeah, I know we got to get going. It points towards a rebuilding year in my mind in a lot of ways. Um, and you know, my prediction. I'll you guys go first. Go ahead. Go ahead, Russ. Well, I think they'll. Um fall short of the conference finals. That's what I think is going to happen with them. And they win two rounds? I think they'll win two rounds. Or win one round. Win, I guess one round if they come short of the conference. Right. Uh, right, yeah, they would win one round if they would fall short of the conference. They win one round, get to the second, right, and lose in the second. Right, okay. I think they'll finish third in the central, and I think they'll win a round, but I don't think that they – unless they've made trades to add a defenseman or two and – uh, you know, maybe another another deal. I, I don't think that they have enough to get to the conference final and, and win. And I am going to hold off on this because they are part of my thirty wacky predictions, and I wanted I'm going to hold off on that until that's going to come out in two days' time. So cliffhanger Thursday. So <laughs> I think Chicago Black, the Chicago Blackhawks are going to do this year in the regular season. So um. You know, I will say that I don't see them. I'm not going to throw it out there. They're not going to make the playoffs. I'll tell you that they are going to make the playoffs. But that's. But I don't think I'm not not that wacky. Well, but it let, could, they are a team. This is this is the team in my mind in the West that could shock everybody and not make the playoffs. This was a team that when Taves or Kane got hurt, they had enough right. depth to be able to survive. Now I don't think they have. Right. What if they got hurt? Right, Mike. I mean, like, what if one of those goes out for the season two weeks in, and and then one misses substantial time? Suddenly, Brandon Sodge, your best player, you're looking a lot like. I mean, what if Booster Juice went out of, or take whatever your favorite juice went out of business? Like, it's just, come on, that's too many what ifs. Jacob Booster would never go out of business. And um, are you going to be at the, are you going to be at the rookie game next week? I'm sure yes, you are. Yes, I will be there too. I'm going to bring that night, I'm going to bring bring a big bottle of Drink a Toast and Take a Boost. All right, we're going to do shots of it. You and Anthony to try. Oh. And boy, oh. you will be up all night, I promise you. It'll be. <laughs> Shots of take a boost. I'd rather, yeah, I'd rather drink. I'd rather drink drink, drink Jagermeister. If you want to know more about take a boost, just check out my blog from yesterday when I was answering questions about this. Um, but it's funny because I got you know from our from our buddy um, down in Nashville, our our Paul McCann. 
Pomacan, yeah, sorry, Pomacan, who grew up in, I always forget, grew up in South Jersey, um, or right around there. He was like, he was all, he wrote me a text this morning, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, I love that drink, that was the greatest thing ever, so I'm going to have to bring some to Nashville next time I go. But uh, there right. you have it, guys. Uh, Mike, enjoy you too tonight. I'll give you a, I'll give you a review tomorrow. Yes, we want to hear that for sure. All right. Without the buzz, it is just hockey. We'll be back tomorrow with another team. Talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.